It's the Five at the Back Soccer Podcast. Hello and welcome to another Five at the Back Podcast. We're coming to you today with an, an extra time segment. Uh, I'm going to toss it over to Scott, who's going to introduce our special guest for today. Scott. Thank you, Charles. I'm particularly excited to introduce our guest here. I'm a big, always been a big uh, sports radio listener. I've always had a commute, whether it be to work or to school, going back to the college days. So I've I've listened to him for, honestly, as long as he's been on the radio. Um, Steve Cerruti, welcome to the podcast. We're, we're glad to have you. What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm interested, actually, really quick. Five at the back. So we got four right now. Where's our fifth? So we have we have three others. Or two others, excuse me, two others. They're both Liverpool fans, though. I didn't want to do that to you. Uh, good call. I, I didn't want to. I didn't the want maximum to, uh, of one per pod. Good call. Yeah, like <laughs> Skiff is going to give you enough. I didn't want to do that to you. Um, so there's there's five of us, and that's where we got the name, five at the back. We wanted to have something related, but not, you know, that, that would work for us. I like it. You guys are tactically flexible. It's good stuff. That's right. Sometimes it's wing backs, and sometimes it's a, it's a solid five. So, yeah. Um, and just so everybody knows, I'm sure most people are aware of who Steve Sarudi is, but he's worked at ESPN for a long time, SVP and Rosillo, Will Kane, the Rosillo show, Mike and Mike. I mean, the, the who's who he's been the, uh, the right hand man to, uh, to just about everyone you're familiar with on ESPN radio. So we are really excited to have him. And obviously we're a premier league podcast. So Steve is a big time soccer fan, um, Roma and Everton, right? C- correct. Yeah. I wouldn't wish not any, on, my, on, on my enemies, but yes, that is unfortunately and, what I, who I root for. And you don't mind if we call you Rudy? Of course, man. That's what most people call me. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, cool, cool. So um, we'll go ahead and kick it off with kind of the topic of the day. Before we transition, Charles, how are United doing? Uh, last last I checked, they were it was nil nil. Uh, oh no! Co- Copenhagen are, are parking the bus Mourinho style and uh, just inviting <laughs> all the pressure, and we can't seem to put a ball in the back. Oh, and today apparently VAR hates us. VAR has called back a penalty and a goal scored. So uh, VAR yeah. karma. Yeah, so you're, yeah, str- you're struggling back. with the accountants and the farmers of Denmark. Okay. Can't believe um, it. <laughs> so we wanted to start with, with some European talks, Rudy. So mm-hmm. um, so we've got United and Wolves are in the Europa League, and then City are obviously still in the Champions League. And it's interesting to me, I know you're a, a little bit of a gambling guy. Um, so City and United are both odds-on favorites to win those tournaments. Do you think that's fair? that they're both the, the odds on? Well, I'll start with the Champions League. And by the way, you've, United is, what, 14 penalties this season? They've, they've had their fair share of good officiating luck, so I'm, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be too worried about the Europa League there. But um, I, I'll start with the Champions League. I, I think City, I've, I've seen a bunch of places. City is the favorite. I think it's 538. They're the betting favorite on most sites. And, well, I think they're probably one of the two or three teams that I would put up there. I would still have Bayern, actually, as the team that I think is the best team in the world. I think especially right now, the way that they're playing, uh, Lewandowski is the best striker in the world, in my opinion. He's unstoppable. Um, it's, it's a shame that they got rid of the ball and door this year because he probably would have had a good chance at winning his first ever one, uh, which uh, obviously obviously sucks for him. But they, to me, are – whether it's the midfield, the attack, uh, in defense, obviously Emmanuel Neuer is back there – they just, to me, should be the favorite, and they're, they're my pick. I actually have Atletico, based on what the bracket looks like, I actually have Atletico and Bayern in the final and, and Bayern taking it home, taking home the trophy. But I do think we had this conversation the other day with a couple of my buddies about whether or not the two teams, City or PSG, the two teams that are starved and, you know, I've obviously dumped a ton of money in to try to win this competition, which one is more likely to, to win it? I think it is City, and I think City would probably be my second favorite right now. And that's despite the fact that their back line is kind of terrible, especially at center back. They have struggled with injuries. They just haven't – they don't have the talent that other clubs have. 
across the world. But you look at their midfield and how deep it is. You look at their attack and how deep and, and, and prolific it is, even without Sergio Aguero. I, I think City is probably number two behind Bayern as far as my favorites to win the Champions League going forward. And then if you look at uh, the Europa League, I, I you know, it depends whether or not United wants to play or not, to be honest. Like, and they, they feel that a strong lineup against Copenhagen, obviously that game's going on right now. If they keep doing that, I think what you're going to see is hopefully an Inter versus Manchester United final, which would be amazing because all the ex-United players basically facing their old club. And I actually think I would pick Inter to win that because I think they would be a little bit more motivated. So, so for me, United is probably the most, is the most talented team, guys, let's be honest, left in the tournament. But it just all depends on what they want to do and how much they care about winning that trophy. It's interesting. I, I actually have a question I was going to ask you who you would win each tournament. And I had picked Inter and Byron as well. So it's great, great minds. There we clearly, go. <laughs> clearly think alike. So I'm curious. So you gave us your thoughts on United. What, what about the Wolves-Sevilla matchup? I think that's a really fun one. So as a Roma fan, I, I, got, I don't watch Sevilla a lot. I don't watch a lot of the, the La Liga, but I got to watch Sevilla up close and personal for, for 90 minutes. And that was an impressive team, man. I'll say this. They, in the midfield, and the attack are very good. They've got two really good young center backs. I think one of them is uh, linked with Arsenal and rumored to be uh, Arsenal. I mean, Arsenal needs center backs left and right. So I imagine they're going to be linked with any center back that's <laughs> not David Luiz or uh, Mustafi. But I, I you know, I, I think I, Sevilla, to me, I would pr- – the Wolves are such a hard team to play. That's the only reason that I would be I'd be weary of picking Sevilla is that you face that five in the back or that wing back formation. Not a lot of teams um, are can, can can handle that. I guess I should say. And the Wolves are probably one of the more unique teams to play in the world. They kind of play a, a similar style to what Inter does, um, although probably not as talented. So I, I'd pick Sevilla just based on what I saw from Rome because I think they have a talent gap on them. But as I said, you know. The Wolves are a, a tried and tested team in the Premier League, which is, is probably the most difficult league game in and game out. And for Wolves to finish in that seventh spot, and they obviously have a lot to play for too, not being in Europe. So if they win that competition, they could potentially get that Champions League spot. So I think that might be sneaky the best game we see in that quarterfinal, but I still think I would give Sevilla the edge. Yeah, I wasn't going to bring up the Roma-Sevilla tie. because That's all right. I don't want to be rude. You know, you're a guest here, but you brought it up. That was rough. That was a little rough. Sevilla looked really good though, to be fair. So um, you answered a couple of my questions uh, before I could ask, but I was going to ask you, do you have an underdog or a dark horse for the Champions League? Anybody outside of City or Bayern? Does Atletico count? I mean, I don't know. Sure. sure. Because I don't think they are – the only reason I I think that they could win it is because I could see them one-nilling their way to – Three straight games. One, they're incredible defensively. They play probably the most boring style. You guys were joking about the Mourinho style. They basically play that on steroids. Um, although they do have some talent up front. And I, I just think in a single elimination format, this tournament is kind of built for a team like them where they're just going to park the bus. They're not going to make mistakes. And they're going to probably nip a goal here and win a bunch of games 1-0, even against some of the tougher opponents. They obviously have Leipzig, so a pretty favorable opponent here. So I look for them to move on. Uh, I, I think Atletico would be the team. I, like I said, I have them in the final, and they've already been in a couple of finals and haven't won it yet. So for them, that's probably my dark horse. I don't think Leipzig, I don't think either Leipzig or Lyon have really any chance. Especially Leipzig would have been really interesting without um, if they had Timo Werner, but obviously without him, that's you're missing 20 plus goals, more assists. So I don't think that's something that they could overcome. So I guess Atletico would be that, that might be a cop out answer. Well, relative to who else is in the I mean, tournament, I think that's fair. Yeah. Scott, let me jump in real quick and uh, say, yeah, I think it's a really valid point you make about parking the bus. I mean, <clears throat> that's exactly what Mourinho did with United in the Europa League uh, mm-hmm. a couple seasons ago to win it. I mean, it's it's a it's a tested way to do it when you know you're facing teams that are really really sound in the attack. You put you know you put your best defenders in the right position and, and just basically prevent them from and frustrate them from getting any easy goals. 
uh, and then you nick one on, on the counterattack. And I mean, it, it works, unfortunately, even if it's as ugly as it is. I will say this too really quickly. Uh, as a guy who's, who watches a lot of Serie A, Atalanta is for real, man. That team is terrifying. And they have kind of a tough matchup with PSG, although PSG are missing a lot of guys. But And Atalanta is probably without one of their best attacking players, uh, Ilicic, who's out for personal reasons. If you want to Google that, go ahead. Um, he, th- th- they, If they had him, I would like them a little bit more. I don't know what his sort of future is, though. I don't know. It, it doesn't look like he's going to play against PSG, and who knows if he's going to play if they advance. But they are one of the most prolific offensive teams in the entire world, and I think they can go toe-to-toe with PSG. And in a one-game scenario, you never know. So as a selfish Spurs fan, you, you brought up Atalanta. Um, you know, we're, Spurs are linked with Timothy Castagna, the right back. Mm-hmm. Have you had a chance to watch him at all? What do, you, do you have any thoughts on him? Yeah, good player. I mean, they the, the only concern that I would have with Atalanta is they have so they, they've been a selling club over the last couple of years. Roma have got, bought a couple of their players. Um, Juve have a lot of teams in Italy have bought some of their players, and they haven't been able to replicate the success that they had at Atalanta in that system. That system with, uh, with Gasparini. I mean, Gasparini. He was a guy who, who kind of flopped at Inter, uh, but was always thought of as a good coach, and was able was given time at Atalanta to build this incredible team, and he has. And they, they as far as work rates, guys, they are probably the hardest working team in the entire world when you just talk about per 90 running stats, they're all over the pitch. And those wing backs are probably the hardest working of all their hardworking players. So he's one of them. He's a really talented player though. My only concern is, you know, I, I it, it, I'm trying to think of like an EPL equivalent of, I mean, maybe Southampton would be the equivalent of guys that come from Southampton. Obviously they've had more recent success with Sadio Mane and, uh, and Van Dyke. But before that there was the Lalanas of the world. And a lot of guys would come from Southampton. They wouldn't necessarily have the success that they had with the saints. So that would be my only concern, but he is a talented player and they have a couple of wingbacks after that. I think are really good and could potentially go to bigger clubs. Awesome. There's a lot of talk about the champions league and Europa league here, but um, I mean, we should focus a little on the premier league. My team Liverpool obviously got eliminated <laughs> by Atletico. Uh, I did hear that uh, two Players, either players or people associated with Atletico had uh, tested positive for COVID. So, you know, maybe a uh, developing story there. Uh, anyways, uh, you know, this is a this is actually a really awesome experience for me. Um, you know, I, I know they exist in the stands, right? Uh, <laughs> they're on Twitter, but this is the first time in my life I've ever talked to an Everton fan. Yeah. Why? Why Everton? Well, I've always said that I, I, Everton are the worst team you could possibly root for in the entire Premier League. And I would never – I flirted with becoming a Leeds fan. And, I'm, I mean, I'm just really joking. I would never leave Everton. I mean, the reason I, I became an Everton fan – I never go to Leeds. Well, let's see, Leeds at least. So I watched the Damn United documentary like years ago, and I'm like, this Leeds club seems really cool. So I've always kind of been interested in them, even though I don't know a ton about them. And now they're back in the Premier League. So it can't be as bad as being an Everton fan. Who knows? But uh, the reason I am an Everton fan is because they just have a rich history with Americans. I mean, obviously – um, Tim Howard is probably one of the main reasons that I was that, that I became a fan a decade or so ago and just kind of followed them ever since. And, you know, they, I think the year that I got really into them was the 14-15 season when they finished fifth and it looked like things were kind of on the uptick, right? And they were going to be potentially a top six club fighting for Champions League. That was the first year under Roberto Martinez, who seemed like he was an up and coming great manager, right? And Everything could, that could have gone wrong has possibly gone wrong for them since then. They have been terrible in the transfer market. They don't know how to spend money. They have money, but they don't know how to spend money. Although I do think that that is a product. There are a lot of Premier League teams that you could put into that category because I think the problem with some of these Premier League teams is they have all this money and they don't really know how to spend it. West Ham's another example. I mean, even some of the teams that got relegated, Watford, I don't think has done a really good job either. So sometimes it could be a blessing and a curse if you have money or not because teams know you have money and they want you to spend more. And that's been the average problem. But um, I've, I, getting back to my point, I, Everton to me are the worst 
team to root for in the Premier League just because of the expectations for the club, right? The fans and even the club, like they want to see them pushing for Champions League, finishing top six, even, you know, pushing for that top four spot, being in Europe year in and year out. But realistically, like that's not, that's just not who they are, right? And that's not, um, I mean, that, that, that's their, their distant past of what they've been. They've been, they obviously have like a rich history of winning titles, but that was more, you know, in the 80s and the 70s and, and way back then. They haven't in the last 25 years or so been, been a really relevant team in England. So um, even if they finish seventh year in and out year, year in and year out, guys, that they're, that's like a disappointment to the fans. So there's really no win for, for Everton in this situation because I don't think they're going to be a club that's going to be consistently pushing for Europe. And they're probably going to be a mid-table team unless they can get some sort of, um, you know, Carlo Ancelotti is obviously a big name, but, who, you know, it'll, be, it'll remain to be seen whether or not they can bring the right guys in. So I just feel like they're, they're – their perspective and their expectations are so out of whack that they can never please their own fan base. So I would never leave Everton. They're a great club to root for. They're the people's club. And I'm going to go on just being a hater of Liverpool because it's easier to do that than hate my own club. <laughs> but I w- I've always said, you know, if, if you're going to root for a team in the premier league, you got to pick one of the top six, you got to pick a rich team. I mean, even, even Leicester to me, you know, they could this year, they probably, you know, obviously they won the title a couple years ago, but this year, I think they kind of peaked and finishing fifth, they probably should have finished in, the, in it for a Champions League spot, but it's just tough to root for a team that doesn't compete year in and out in Europe. Yeah, so it's like uh, for the American fans, like Texas A&M, their fans think that they should win the national championship every year, but it's just not going to <laughs> That's happen. That's a great call, uh, actually. That's a great <laughs> comparison. They bring in Jimbo <laughs> Fisher and all of a sudden they think that they're going to win everything and they don't win anything. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, no, in Everton, you know what, they're they're looking at building their new stadium. You know, they've got Ancelotti, they've got, um, you know, a pretty good coach in now. So, you know, some things uh, look like they're headed in the right direction. But, you know, you can, Scott can speak to Spurs. Like, you know, it, it, it's hard year in and year out. I mean, Spurs Champions League final, um, what, last year, two years ago, last year. Um, and now, you know, fighting for seventh place this year. Yeah, but you know what, Spurs have – it's funny because Spurs weren't traditionally like this top six team, right? They weren't in that and they became part of that. They were always a good team and, and a well-liked club, but you know, I don't think the big six is kind of a new thing. So you never know. It could be, it could be flexible. Obviously Manchester city and Chelsea a long time ago bought their way into the top six. So yeah. And, and, and you know, what annoys me too guys is you, you can't really do that anymore. It's like it, either allow it to happen or don't allow it to happen. Like I get annoyed with this financial fair play stuff, especially with Manchester city and how they basically escape any European ban. And I just don't think I, – I think you should be able to let clubs spend what they want. If Newcastle has new owners, which they backed out, obviously, by the way, as you guys know, but if Newcastle has some rich oil oligarch that wants to come in and spend a bunch of money, I just feel like they should be allowed to do that because otherwise you create this sort of um, glass ceiling of where other clubs can be. And a team like Everton, which wants to spend money and wants to be more competitive, has kind of two hands tied behind their backs financially because they're not allowed to spend the way they want to. Let me ask you real quick. Uh, <clears throat> you brought up Carlo Ancelotti, who, I mean, big name manager, big, been at a lot of big time clubs, won, you know, won quite a few things. Does this actually show an intent from Everton to, to, to get rid of all of the bad things that have happened since Roberto Martinez? Or are we just seeing more of the same, you know, Marco Silva's BS? So the, the problem is that they are going to spend the next at this window and probably the next window trying to undo all the bad things that they've done. So if you get Carlo Ancelotti in a vacuum and say, Hey, bring in who you want. Here's the money that you have to spend. You know, I don't have any doubt that he would turn them into a pretty solid side, but 
Everton's sort of main goal over the last year and probably going into the future is going to be reducing the wage bill that is out of control because they paid so many terrible players who aren't really useful and don't have any resale value. They're still paying them high salaries and trying to get them off the books. So I, I had I had read that uh, Forhad Moshiri, who's like the principal owner of, of, the, of the club, has wanted to bring in Ancelotti for a long time and then they end up going and getting Marco Silva instead and he ends up getting his way at the end and brings in Carlo Ancelotti. So if they had brought in Ancelotti three years ago when they hired Marco Silva, I think Everton would be in a really good position right now. But unfortunately, because of just how they've been mismanaged over the years, and a lot of that had to do with even before the, the current management is in place, not only Ancelotti, but the sporting director, Marcel Brands, some of the guys that they paid, I mean, Guilfrey Sigerson, the, the fee that they paid for him, he's a nice player. Um, obviously, you know him from his first days, was decent at Swansea, but they paid him a ridiculous amount of money. And he's kind of a, he's kind of a luxury player. If he's not assisting or scoring goals, which he didn't do any of this year, he's completely useless on the pitch. So, and nobody's going to want to pay a decent fee for him or pay his salary. So it's tough there. There's a couple guys from Spain that they brought in. I mean, they just have all these guys on their, on their wages. They basically gave away Morgan Steiderlin because nobody else wanted him to a, to a club in France. So it's not necessarily bringing in guys. It's trying to get rid of the, the, the salaries that are already there to create some more room to start from scratch, which is going to take some time. Okay. Let me follow that up with a kind of a two-parter. Give me your thoughts on life at Everton post Ancelotti's hiring um, up until now. And then how long do we give him before we say he's done a great job or, you know, it's time to move on to a new manager. So it, this year I thought was impossible to understand because you know, the club was just not built to what he wants, his strengths. I mean, there was no midfield. Their midfield was completely non-existent. They signed John Philip Gibbaman from uh, from Mainz, who was supposed to be the replacement for Idrissa Gay, who went to PSG. And Idrissa Gay was probably their most important player, if we're being honest, maybe other than Richarlison. But just based on how bad the midfield was, you might be able to say it was Idrissa Gay because they had just – I mean, they were a championship level side and I'm talking like the, the, the lower league level side in the midfield this season. And you really can't judge the attack or the defense on anything because they weren't being helped either way. I mean, there, there was no, there was nobody in the midfield that was able to help transition to attack and the, the defense and even Jordan Pickford, who I think has not had a good season and I would sell him in a heartbeat if you got a decent fee for him, but they, the, the midfield did him no favors because they constantly put the defense on odds and ends and they didn't know where, which end was up. So you know, it's going to be hard. I always think, I kind of think Ancelotti might leave for a bigger job before this thing is fully done. Like, I'm, I'm still confused as to why exactly he took the Everton job, other than the fact that, I mean, I know his son, who he wants to kind of, you know, um, mentor to become a, a world-class manager. He's also at Everton, so maybe that's part of the reason. But I, I wonder if there's a bigger job for Carl Ancelotti, if he'll ever jump ship. So I don't know if we'll get enough time with him to see what exactly his plan is. And a lot of the guys that he's been rumored to be bringing in are, are ex-guys like Jaime's Rodriguez, who is basically sitting at Real Madrid and nobody wants to pay his fees. And if Everton keep doing things like that, I just don't think that's the way to build the club. So I'd like to think that next year when they get a competent midfield, I maybe I'm being irrationally optimistic as an Everton fan, which is basically what all Everton fans are. But I think if they get a, a decent midfield, they'll actually be able to probably compete for that seventh place spot. But I don't think any, I think that's their ceiling right now. So you're saying you don't advise Everton take the uh, the Arsenal transfer strategy. So no, I, I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't understand. I mean, here's the thing is like Arsenal too is funny because they they have a guy very similar to Gilby Sigurdsson in, in Ozil who they can't get it. I mean, he's basically going to have to go on loan, right? There's really no one that wants to take his salary. And Everton has like four or five guys like that. So you're just, just be just be happy that you're not in that situation. But um, yeah, this, this whole idea, I mean, you look at what teams like Leicester have done 
what teams like Wolves have done, although Wolves are a little bit different because they have a super agent on their side. But um, Leicester have sort of scoured the lower leagues, um, some of the lower teams, the teams that have gotten relegated, and taken some of their best players and built from – from, from a standpoint of youth and bringing in different guys and look at they're they're reaping all the rewards. They have a lot of really good young players. Um, yes, they are going to probably have to sell some of them and big clubs are going to come calling, but I think that's a much more sustainable way to build a club like Everton, like Leicester, um, like West Ham, some of these clubs that want to be in the big six. It's, it's not to buy all these expensive players and spend a bunch of money. It's to invest in younger players and, de- and develop them yourself. Yeah, and, and as a Liverpool fan, you being a Roman fan and an Everton fan, I'm sure you doubly hate me for taking Salah <laughs> and <laughs> Allison. So we'll probably never talk again. So I wanted to uh, I wanted to say thanks for me for uh, for taking You're welcome. job with them. More more Allison than Salah. See, the funny thing is when Salah was at Roma, I don't know if you guys remember, but they they were in a Champions League tie. I think it was around a 16 with Real Madrid, and I think they ended up losing it. I think they ended up losing both games two two. So they lost four nothing. So it didn't look close at all. But I Salah missed chance after chance after chance. I mean, if that Roma could have easily scored four against Real over the course of two games. And there were a lot of Roma fans that were just kind of tired of him wasting chances. And I think when they got, what was it? 35 million or so for up to 40 million. There were a lot of Roma fans that weren't upset about that. That were like, okay, you know, he's a good player, but I don't know if he'll ever be an elite world-class player. So the guy that we saw the first year at Liverpool, that's a guy I had never seen at Roma. Allison, on the other hand, I would have held on to that guy with everything I had. He, to me, is the best goalkeeper in the world. Um, yes, you could say maybe Oblak at Atletico is a better shot stopper, but as far as the total package of guys who can play the ball with their feet and shot stoppers and just guys that control the back line, for me, I would take Allison over anybody in the world. His one year at Roma, he he basically single-handedly got them into the Champions League again uh, because that roster wasn't very good. So if I had to pick one and go back in time, Allison would be the one that I would keep. But unfortunately, you guys, you know, as an Everton fan, it's, it's, it's weird. I mean, it's not only, not only did I lose those guys from Roma, but they're helping my other biggest rival win their first, <laughs> win their first really title in 30 years. It's, it's, it's total BS. It's the worst of the worst. Yeah. It really is. So these, these guys are well, well acquainted with my, uh, my, my disdain that uh, Christian Pulisic went to Chelsea from, from Dortmund. Same, um, same, yep. main, because, <laughs> I mean, so just as the, in the way that Tim Howard made you a fan of Everton, I am well aware now that thousands and thousands of children are going to become Chelsea fans, those poor kids, um, simply because Pulisic's on that squad. Um, I'm not going to ask you about Pulisic at Chelsea, but let's, let's just give me your thoughts on, on his rise. Um, obviously, it's been, it's been fairly meteoric um, and, and the ways in which you think it, he might uh, impact the U.S. national team. Yeah, so I was with you. I mean, I actually was kind of concerned initially when he went to Chelsea because Chelsea just kind of had this history of buying a bunch of young players and not actually giving them a chance to play. So my first concern was as a men's national team fan is, is he going to be able to develop properly like he was you know, being developed at BVB where he was getting a lot of consistent playing time in big matches? And, you know, luckily so, especially at the end of the year, obviously, he has taken that run with it. He, to me, was the best player Chelsea had probably in this in the restart. And certainly I don't think they get top four without him. He was the best offensive player. And when you saw in the FA Cup final against Arsenal, obviously, as you know, um, you know, when he went out with that injury, Chelsea weren't even remotely scary in the attack whatsoever. I mean, it didn't seem like they were, they didn't seem like once Pulisic went out, I mean, as an Arsenal fan, I wouldn't be worried at all. I mean, other than being an Arsenal fan and being, uh, you know, pessimistic about everything, (laughs) but um, you know, realistically, they lost all of their bite when he left. So that was a really good thing to see. And I, I, I truly believe, you know, with more talent around him, obviously they have Timo Werner coming in. 
um, who is pretty versatile up front. So he could play a lot of different positions, which Pulisic is as well. Kai Havertz is another guy who's very versatile, who's, who looks like he's going to be coming in as well. I think Pulisic could still be a, a, a good, consistent starter for them and play you know, 30, 40, start 30, 40 matches for them and score hopefully, you know, a dozen or so goals, maybe chip in six or so assists. I think that's probably what I would expect next year. But I think he's, he, to me, he's already the best American player ever, guys. I mean, as far, I'm not, not, not accolades. Obviously, we're not talking about like what he's won or what he's accomplished because he hasn't even played in the World Cup yet, which wasn't his fault, by the way. Sure. But, um, but to me, from just a, 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 what he's playing and the, and the level that he's playing at, at a big club like Chelsea, I don't think there are, there are very few. I mean, Landon Donovan did have a stint at Bayern, but it was on loan. But he didn't make the impact that Pulisic is having right now. And I think he could be not a world, not, not a world class player, but just the level below that I think he could really be. And a, a guy that I sort of compared him to was, um, was uh, I'm blanking on his name, Marco Royce, at, at, ironically enough, at BVB, a guy who is just a really, really, really good player. Now, Royce has suffered with some injuries, so hopefully Pulisic doesn't do that because he does some in, have, has some injury issues as well. But a guy who's just below that class of, of like elite player in the world, top 20-ish player, but, on, his, but any, on any given day can be the best player on a team that is you know, a, competing for Champions League titles. So I'm excited for the future. And as I was pessimistic about the start of him going to Chelsea, I am optimistic about the future. Yeah, I think a lot of us are, are very bullish about his uh, chances uh, going forward, especially with the men's national team. I mean, uh, I think everyone expects him to play and start a, and play all 90 minutes of every single men's national team game. That may be a little unrealistic, but um, I think what what most of us are pretty excited about is just like when he gets on the field, you see the he's one of those players that makes other players around him better. And mm-hmm. it, we're, we're, I think we all want that for the men's national team because we've been lacking that for, for quite a few years. I mean, as, as much as pe- people allowed, uh, you know, Michael Bradley, he didn't really make people around him better. He was, he was this good, solid player, but he, he wasn't as electric as Pulisic has been. And, uh, I guess I'm, I'm personally very hopeful for his success only in the men's national team jersey. So, um, yeah. The, the scary thing, though, for him, though, is, you know, you look at, like, I'm not comparing him to Leo Messi, but the, the struggles that Messi has had with Argentina, I, I can see them happening with Pulisic to a lesser degree in that so much is expected of him, and the talent just, his level of talent really isn't around him. And although I do think there are a lot of good young players coming up, especially in the midfield for the for the men's national team, but he's going to be the target. He's going to constantly have a bullseye on his back no matter what club they play, and we know guys in, Con- in CONCACAF qualifying I mean, some of those refs just let those guys play, and they, they let guys beat him up. And I, that is one of the worries that I have for him going forward, especially because he is kind of injury-prone. I don't want to throw that out there, you know, and, and jinx him a little bit. But he has been—he has suffered a lot of knocks throughout his entire career at BVB and now at Chelsea here with the hamstring injury. So that would be my, my, my main concern of him potentially being a, a, a almost world-class player is the injury stuff and him kind of maybe not achieving all the things that people want him to as the captain of the men's national team. Well, as, as an American, I hope that our program continues to be run a little bit better than Argentina's because that, that national team has been a little bit of a dumpster fire. Yeah. So they, they did make a World Cup final, though, a few years back. So it's not they like did. it's all I, bad. No, totally. But given the talent, I, I think they should have been a little bit more consistently competing. Yeah. But you're right. They, they've hit some of the highs. So one thing, Rudy, I wanted to ask you about is you and some of the other guys at at the box to box podcast who you, who you work with are, are doing some FIFA tournaments. Is that right? Yeah. So we're all big FIFA players and you know, we've, I don't, I don't know if you guys play FIFA or not, or have played FIFA, but the problem is, is that a lot of the game modes have not been changed in years, right? The career mode hasn't been changed. Um, I'm, I've never been a huge fan of ultimate team. I think it's kind of just like, you know, it's the same thing every year and, you know, you, you buy the same play. Everybody has the same players. It's very easy. Every team is so nasty. And, you know, you really can only play other people online. There's no other sort of different game mode for that. And even playing online in the seasons mode, 
everybody uses Liverpool or PSG or France. They always use the best team. So there's really no variety in your game either. You're playing the same opponents over and over again. So we kind of thought it would be cool to organize our own like World Cup style tournaments, whether it be national teams or club teams. So we just finished our, our official World Cup national team uh, event with 32 different players. It was on Xbox. We kind of had a Discord community where people could sort of figure out when they could play games. We played a game typically every, I think about every two to three days. We had the traditional group stage settings that were randomized by draw. Teams were picked by for, a first come first basis thing. And it created sort of this really cool, unique way for people to play FIFA that I don't think they ever really had before. And genuinely, like I remember playing my first couple of games against people online and you know that this thing actually matters and that like if you lose, you could potentially be knocked out. I've never felt that. I, I There are times where I've been playing real sports and I haven't been that nervous. So it's just a, it's just a different way to play the game. And we've got, a, we've got a Club World Cup coming up now, which is really cool as well, because one of the problems with the national team uh, tournament was that if a team was France, right, you know, that's one of the best teams in the entire game. They're stacked, they're loaded, their roster is unbelievable. And there aren't really 32 great national team uh, or national teams, I should say. So you could have a really good player playing with Slovenia, but he's not going to probably beat France because France is so good. Our Club World Cup one that we have coming up is, um, I'm really intrigued by it because there's going to be a lot of, um, there's going to be a lot of parity. I mean, there isn't that big of a gap between like the best team and the 20th best team, right? There are a lot of really good club teams, really good players, and the talent is a little bit more spread out. So we're going to have that starting up in a couple of weeks. And um, if you follow us at Box to Box Show on Twitter, um, there's all the details there how to get involved. And then you on Twitter, just just so everybody knows, at C-E-R-U-T-I, at Saruti. So anybody who's not following Saruti, please do. He's got a good wide range of content for you over there on Twitter. So um, guys, do you have anything else for Saruti for today? Uh, just to say thank you. I really sincerely appreciate you jumping on and, uh, and chatting with us. Absolutely. Good yeah, talk to you guys. We really appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Yeah, except, the, it, except the Liverpool fan. That's all. Yeah, just, <laughs> mute, just mute yourself, Skiff. Yeah, we, we, really, we really appreciate it, Rudy. And um, just, just in case we have some new listeners that, that aren't familiar with, with our Five at the Back podcast, we're just five Americans talking about the Premier League. You know, we, we're, we don't want to be feel like we're talking down to anybody we don't want to there's just not a lot of podcasts out there who who are for the every fan who people who don't follow every transfer or know all the tactics and wing backs and high 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 block mid block like all that stuff so we're, we're a good podcast for people who are just casual fans or if you're or if you're into the league deeply like we are we're, we're a good pod for that too so if there are any new listeners please get at us our our twitter handle is at f-i-v-e-a-t-b if you want to come uh, come engage with us over there as well. Sounds a good guess. Thank you, Srudy.